back to the past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey, guys. Episode 9. I hope it's fine. If you missed last <laughs> week's show, yes, right. I suggest you check it out. We talked all about Garfield, the childhood passage of allowance, and the after-school favorite, our most requested topic to date, Disney's Tailspin. That's right. Which brings us to today's show. Adam will be discussing the knuckle-crushing, gear-powered fad that was Yomega high-performance yo-yos. I'll be talking about the man, the myth, the legend of the bears, the coach, Mike Ditka. <laughs> Last but not least, something I could certainly use more of in my life, Brian will be discussing Hooked on Phonics. It worked for me. <laughs> That's right. It worked for me, too. Yay! <laughs> well, without further ado, Adam, what's the deal with yo-yos? All right. It's time to go around the world and walk your dogs while we talk about Yo-Mega Yo-Yos. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yo Mega Yo Yo's. It was a company that was founded in 1983, and the, the kind of the premise of the company was they updated the Yo Yo. Now the Yo Yo had been around for a while. I believe it came out. Uh, the original ones came out in like the 50s or Stone 60s ages. or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, essentially, it was just two pieces of plastic that were stuck together with a little rod in the middle. And then there was some string that went around it, and you could, you know, throw it down, and it would go down and up, and then you could do, like, a couple things with it. So, Yomega came up with the idea of, all right, let's make this a little bit more interesting. Let's, let's take it to the next level. And so, Yomega was founded in 1983, and in 1984, they released their first and probably one of the more notable ones or more more known ones which was the brain um and that one was kind of their flagship one i guess like kind of the intro uh yo-yo for them but also kind of one of the more uh popular ones they released that and then over the span of the next several decades they released several other versions of their yo-yo in fact um i'm, I'm gonna give uh, Brian and Paul a little quiz here. How many yo-yos, different varieties of yo-yos, do you think Yo-Mega has developed since 1983 when they came up with the first one? Are we talking like trick yo-yos or like performance grade yo-yos or like everything? Uh, everything. All the above. I'm going to say 12. Okay. Yeah, because I remember, so there was a store in the mall called Mackinac Kite Company, uh, and that's where they had like all the yo-yos and stuff like that. It was kind of like a, uh, almost like a discovery type store, hobby store. They had pogs and stuff like that too. And I remember they had like five or six different varieties back in like the mid 90s. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say 10. I'm going to say they had 10 different Okay, so Paul's final answer is 12. Brian's final answer is 10. The actual number, over 70 different yo-yos that they've created. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, like you guys, I would have thought it was just a handful of them, but apparently they've developed quite the collection of various yo-yos. And so uh, kind of some of the ones that they've created, obviously they created the brain, 
The next uh, kind of most popular one I knew of when I was growing up was the Fireball. Yep. They have the X-Brain, the Gemini, and uh, a whole slew of other versions. And What ones do you guys remember? Wasn't the flagship like the Silver Bullet That's or something like that? That's what I was just like going to say. Like, yeah, that was the top of the line. Because I think you could get yeah. the brain for, I'm uh, just throwing a number out there. I think it was like somewhere between 10 and $20. Something like that, yeah. You know, because was, that was pretty expensive for a yo-yo. But at the same time, Adam will get into a moment why it was so much more expensive because of the specific mechanics that gave it its unique qualities. But that was their entry-level yo-yo. The Silver Bullet mm-hmm. that Paul mentioned was like 90 or $100. So, mm-hmm. I mean, five or six times more expensive than the brain. And it was made of like titanium or aluminum or something. I mean, it was solid metal. Um, like <laughs> Could give you a pretty good concussion if you happen to walk in on somebody doing it around the world. Yeah, no kidding. There was definitely a good chance you'd be losing some teeth for sure. Um <laughs> Give me a solid concussion. He yeah. smiled the whole way. <laughs> uh, so the idea behind the Omega Yo-Yo was they improved upon the design of the original. So the original, like I said, was just a couple pieces of plastic and some string. You could basically throw it down and it would go down and then it would come up. It was about it with that. What they decided to do with Yomega, though, is in the the outer chassis of it, they added gears that would spin as you were dropping the yo-yo down or throwing the yo-yo down. And so as it was spinning, those gears would kind of build up some power. And then once it got to a certain point, they would launch the yo-yo back up the string so it would go back into mm-hmm. your hand. And that way it allowed you to do uh, tricks because when you threw it down it would stay down for longer than the original yo-yos which would basically hit the bottom of the string and then immediately rebound back up this one would actually stay down in the down position depending on how well you threw it it could be down for a couple seconds or even longer if you did it really well And this allowed you to do various tricks with it, which we'll get into a little bit more in a little bit. But uh, so that was kind of the big deal with it is that they made the functionality a lot different by allowing it to stay down in the bottom position for a lot longer, which made it possible to do some really cool tricks. Uh, Now, it was a tough sell initially or early on to get people excited about a yo-yo, uh, especially since the version of it before was just the ones that went up and down and that was about it. And so Yomega actually came up with a pretty brilliant idea to advertise this to the kids and get kids really excited. So they created a group called Team High Performance. And their oh, job yeah. was to go. Well, yeah, uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they came to our school they district. At some, they oh, did. they definitely did. I mean, because that's how everyone got into yo-yos when we were kids. Mm. Was I remember? Yeah. It, was, it was either fourth or fifth grade. I can't remember, but I, it had to, it had to be fourth grade because uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, it became real popular in about '96 when we were in fourth grade. Okay, then. That timeline would definitely definitely work out. Um, uh, yeah, so, but I remember they came in and they were doing all these different tricks. And we'll talk about those tricks like that we could do. But they were doing crazy things where they would like let the yo-yo off their finger 
in midair and catch it in their shirt pocket. Uh, yeah. Just unbelievable stuff. And, of course, like, we're all, like, 10 or 11 years old, like, screaming, like, oh, my <laughs> God, that's amazing. I need all of these yo-yos. Well, and then they had, like, people, I, I don't know if you guys remember, they had people who could, like, do several yo-yos at the same time on, like, one hand. Yep. Like, they mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to do, like, a lot of tricks with that, or, like, s- certain types of tricks with them, but they would, you know, do the ones where it would go out, uh, like, in front of them and then rebound or things like that that they could do and be able to get it back, and they'd have, like, several of them in their hands, or they'd do ones where it would, like, shoot up, uh, you know, really high, and then they could do tricks with it. It was it was pretty impressive, and that was a brilliant marketing strategy. Of course, the the... It's kind of like one of those deals where they they were trying to do like a positive message within it too. It was supposed to be like motivational <laughs> speakers. Don't so do it, drugs. <laughs> yeah. So it was like you know that forty year old guy that's playing with yo yos and wearing like jorts and uh, a backwards <laughs> hat, trying to be cool. And then you know after they do their little routine, uh, he's sitting down. He's like, "All right, guys, let's rap about why drugs are bad." Uh, so it, it, it was that kind of thing, but it was still really cool because it got kids just absolutely hooked on these yo yos. Prior to this, nobody would have ever thought of the yo-yo as an extreme toy. But now you're like, oh my god, I gotta go out and I gotta get a brain or a fireball or a Gemini or the silver bullet or whatever. And it, like, for us, that was kind of the first big fad I ever experienced with Brian and Paul because that was the year that yo-yos became really big was also the first year that I attended school with these guys. And so I just remember like that being so popular in our grade. In fact, I don't know if you guys remember this, but do you guys remember like, you know, it was one of those fads that started to become a little distracting in school because everyone would bring their yo-yos and be trying to play with them and stuff. Yeah. So our our teacher. I was going to say, I feel like there was a day or like a period in one day where it's just like, all right, you guys have way too much energy and too many (laughs) yo-yos. Have at it. You, you got yep. you got like an hour to just do what you want, or maybe it was the whole day. I don't remember. But I, I don't think it was the whole day. I think it was like maybe during social studies or something like that. You know, yeah. we had an easier one of those day, important so. courses. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. History is not important, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> it already uh, happened. God, exactly. <laughs> Why do we need to learn it again? He had given us like a little bit of an advanced warning, like I think a day or something like that. And so people br- people brought like ramps and stuff like that to do tricks on <laughs> like the it was it was pretty awesome. But kind of talking about tricks, let's get into some of the tricks that you could do. So like oh, we well, talked be, about before, before we get there though, oh. I just wanted to create a little bit of a perspective timeline for folks. Because like you mentioned, this was about 1996 when yo-yos kind of took over. And it was right as Beanie Babies stopped being popular, mm-hmm. but right before Tamagotchis and those things <laughs> yeah. got popular. So it fit that little groove right there. And both yep. of those things are definitely going to be topics in the hopper of imagination have definitely been submitted by several people so we will definitely be discussing those in further detail but i kind of wanted to create a timeline of toys as to 
when this ooh, was occurring. The tots. <laughs> the, ooh, yes. <laughs> Give me your tots. <laughs> and this anyway. was post Pogs, too, correct? Yes, yes. So uh, Pogs yes. would have been pre Beanie Babies, yes. So. Pogs, were, Pogs were even before I met you guys. That must yeah. have been when we were in like first or second, second grade. Second grade was when I remember them being really big, was second grade. Yeah. And we can get into yep. that at a whole nother time. But oh, I, I remember absolutely. just a real quick, like, sneak peek into a story that i will be telling in that episode is that oh, is gosh. when i learned what playing for keeps meant oh, oh no <laughs> um, oh no yeah anyway when um, brian that's when brian's gambling addiction started <laughs> no, no. All, all the way back in second grade no when to slam them <laughs> uh, but anyway we were talking about yo-yo tricks so yeah Yep. Um, so, so Adam, tell us again, real quickly, how the yo-yo was able to, like the Yomega ones, were able to better do tricks than, like, let's say a Duncan was. They had so, training wheels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, he really isn't wrong there. So, where like the Duncan yo-yos uh, really didn't have much going for them, the Yomega yo-yos had gears inside of the the body of the yo-yo. When you threw it down, the gears would spin, which would cause it to have enough momentum to stay down longer than the old Duncan ones. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. when you went down, it would just stay at the bottom and you'd actually hear it spin, especially on the brain and the fireball. You'd hear kind of the squealing of the axle as it was spinning. Um, And then because it stayed down for so long... There were tricks that you could do with the yo-yo uh, while it was in those positions. So we'll, we'll get into some of the ones you guys remember in just a minute. But kind of the most basic one was walking the dog, which is well, where you... before you even get to that, the sleeper was the most basic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, true. And that, that's, that's a good That's point. something you really... was very difficult to do with a standard wood or plastic yo-yo from like the 50s yeah. or 60s. Um, and essentially what it was, it is a like professional wrestling hold that makes people pass out. But it is also, <laughs> uh, with a yo-yo, it's, you throw it down like you normally would, but you put a little extra English on it, and it basically spins at the bottom really fast, but in place, and then you can like tug it and pull it back up. So they call it the sleeper because it's just hanging in the down position, but still prone and ready to wake up. Correct, correct. So... so- yeah. And and that was kind of the the sleeper itself was kind of not necessarily a trick per se. It was like the catalyst um, to the it was, Yeah, the it was a skill that was required to do most other prerequisite. Yes. Yes. So so it was a prerequisite skill that you needed. I and like so that. from like the sleeper, yeah. you could do a bunch of other tricks. Probably the most basic would be walking the dog, which is where, as it was in the sleeper position, you would lower your hand until the yo-yo was kind of just barely on the ground, and mm-hmm. then it would start to move forward like you were walking a dog, which is why somebody brought a ramp to school that day, because they walked <laughs> the dog up the ramp, which was really impressive. Uh, Straight in 
into little Mikey's teeth. <laughs> Doesn't have braces anymore. No, no. That orthodontist bill is a pain. <laughs> Thank God so, he had the braces. It stopped him. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no kidding. kidding. <laughs> stopped him from swallowing his teeth. Fun story. I actually did that once. We'll save that story for another time. But I actually did knock two of my teeth out and swallow them. Oh, God. But, With the yeah. yo No, no, on... Okay, we're getting a little bit off track, so I won't go too far into this. But do you guys remember the uh, park over by the middle school? Yes. Yes. There used to be a slide there that had uh, like a bump in the middle of it. And I was going down that slide and a girl came up and sat down on the end of the slide while I was going down. And I was just young enough that I didn't know how to stop myself on there. And so I went flying into her and my face collided with the back of her head and I knocked my two front teeth out. Yeah. And 14 uh, is a rough age for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had to get like a, uh, I still have it somewhere. I'm pretty sure, but I have a bridge that they had to put in with two fake teeth uh, for my front teeth until my adult teeth came in. Because otherwise, I would have just had a big gap in the front of my teeth. <laughs> it's a good look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Field anyway. Goal! <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So anyway, yeah. So there was the walk the dog. Uh, then there was uh, like the cat's cradle, which is where you would pull the string up into a triangle, but you'd have the line from the yo-yo hanging down from the center of the triangle, and it would bob back and forth between the triangle. Uh, there was yep. the Eiffel Tower, which is where you uh, twisted the string in yeah. such a way that it looked like the Eiffel Tower. What were uh, what were you guys' like favorite ones to do? Paul? Well, for me, um, I still have a yo-yo on my desk to this day. It's a Yo-Mega Fireball. While I am a big fan of the Yo-Megas, I actually, for the most part, prefer the higher-end Dunkins. Once I once I learned how to use it, the the brain was instrumental in learning how to use it. But the biggest tricks that I still do all the time are the biggest one is the forward pass, which is like the sleeper, but you launch the yo-yo forward. And that's kind of the catalyst of once you get that down, then you can move into the around the world where you spin the um, yo-yo in a circle around the string and you go full circle and then it, re- it goes to the extension of the string and then comes back. That's, That's also a great way to fight several enemies at the same time. <laughs> Just spin that thing around and clock people in the face. Oh, so I have actually done that with a yo-yo malfunction in the not-too-distant pass. Um, I was continuing to do the forward pass, and my fireball, or at least the one I was using at the time, I've had since I was probably 15 or 16 – I have quite a few of them. It used to be like a common stocking stuffer growing up. Like I got one every Christmas, not Mm -hmm. Yomega per se, but a yo-yo in general. And this particular one, I'd never replaced the string. I'd never lubed it. I'd never done anything to it. And I just sit in my cubicle while, you know, I'm on a conference call or on the phone and I just sit and do the forward pass and it extends outside my cubicle and then comes back. Well, this one particular time, the yo-yo just split into two pieces (laughs) and I hear a Thud and an ow! (laughs) And that's how you get rid of interns. (laughs) Oh, man. And this particular intern, I bought him lunch, uh, showed him some yo-yo tricks, and he continues to practice to this day. 
Nice. That's, that's a good. He answer. was also the one that pointed out to me that he's like, "This is cool and all, but you know, what, I'm trying to remember how he phrased it. He was like, "Man, the '90s sound like they were a hell of a time, but I was too busy being conceived." <laughs> <laughs> I hope you hired that guy. I did. Good. <laughs> but not because I was afraid he was going to sue me for assault. <laughs> oh. That's amazing. But yeah, there was what. Like, the there was a bunch of other tricks that you could do like with the string because you like mentioned the Eiffel Tower. There was like the the cat's cradle or rock the baby, depending on who you asked. Um, yep. And then there was like the Confederate flag where you would make a box, and then there was be an X through it. There was gosh, there's a bunch of other ones too. What yeah. was the one that was? It was almost like a spaghetti looking thing. Like you would do the sleeper, and then the string would like wobble around. But you could I, still I think pull it was called spaghetti. Was it? Yeah. That makes sense. I like yeah. when uh, things are called what they look like. <laughs> yeah, <so>. exactly. <laughs> the, there was another one I was just thinking of, and this was actually uh, one of my personal favorites too. I don't remember what it was called, but you would put the yo-yo down into the sleeper position, and then you would s- kind of like flick your hand forward, and the yo-yo would start to kind of do like an around the world. It would start to go in a clockwise motion upwards, and then, like, at the right time, you would kind of pull on the string to make the string taut. And the yo-yo would land, like, with the rivet on the string. And you would kind of be able to move the yo-yo along the string while you were holding the string horizontally. Oh, the tightrope. The yeah, tightrope, yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that was yeah. a fun one. That took a little bit of dexterity to be able to do that. And you can't do that with a brain or the, when it hits the end of its cycle and those gears return it, it'll shoot it right at your knuckle. <laughs> that's a that's a fireball or a uh, Gemini-only trick right there. You yeah. can't have the auto return. Well, and then if you did the tightrope and you put slack in the string, they called that the trapeze. Yes. Because it looked yeah. like someone was swinging back and forth yep. like a trapeze artist. So. Yeah, gosh, there are so many amazing tricks. And yeah, the whole big thing with it is like, I remember getting a yo-yo as a kid, like really young, like four or five years old and playing with it for about 10 minutes and being astonishingly bored with it. Oh, yeah. And and it wasn't <laughs> until this assembly that it just blew my mind. And I never was that good at it. But my brother, he got really good with it. And he had like three or four different Omega yo-yos all at different price points because there was one that was like a thunderbolt or something like that that was yeah pretty pretty expensive there was a maverick i think was another one that was one of their higher end ones i mean sounds right it was uh it was crazy uh the amount of stuff that he had and how <laughs> how good he had gotten with it uh where i was like yeah i can walk the dog yeah. <laughs> And then the dog would poop on the floor, you know. That would be about it. I was just going to say, he could do it without the yo-yo, which was really impressive. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Um, The other thing that just occurred to me, I don't know if you guys remember this, but this was another really cool feature. So the yo-yos, like, shipped with just a very traditional, like, white string, like, I don't know what you... It was like a braided nylon. uh, Braided nylon, Yeah. But you could actually upgrade it to, like, they had different styles and different thicknesses, so it would be easier to do some tricks if you had the different strings. And I I completely forgot about that until just now. I think I actually remember going to 
the uh, what was the place you said earlier? Mackinac. Oh, the Mackinac Kite Company. Mackinac Kite Company, and I'm pretty sure I remember going there one time to the mall and like buying that they had like a little thicker string, and it was like a black and red string that you could get, and you could cinch that into the uh, yo-yo and go from there. It was really cool. And then some people would just color them with Sharpies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You could spend $10 on a string, or you could just take some markers you already had in your art box and go nuts with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we don't talk about those kids, Brian. <laughs> I, I may have known those kids. <laughs> he, he may have been that kid. Well, I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> All right, so unless you guys got anything else, I think that kind of wraps up all the important stuff about the Yo Mega Yo-Yo. If it isn't a Duncan, it isn't a Yo-Yo. <laughs> That's what they say. I think say. Yo Mega would beg to differ, but... <laughs> well, they didn't, Fair tra- enough. they didn't copyright the or trademark the, uh, the slogan, unfortunately. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's go ahead and jump over now, and Paul is going to talk to us about... Mike Ditka. Duck coach. Duck coach. bears. Duh bears. <laughs> Duh bears. So Mike Ditka is best known as being the coach of the 1985 Bears. I mean, he was a coach longer than that, but I would say that would be the pinnacle point when you say Mike Ditka. Besides SNL, that's where you go first. But <laughs> what I didn't know uh, before reading about this is I never knew that Mike Ditka was a player. Yeah. So Mike Ditka is the only person to participate in the last two Chicago Bears League championships as a player in 1963 and a head coach in 1985. Really? Yep. He played uh, tight end, and um, he retired from playing after the 1972 season, and he was immediately hired as an assistant coach by the Cowboys. Nice. Um, He spent Mm -hmm. nine seasons with the Cowboys, and during the tenure, the Cowboys made the playoffs eight times. Wow. Six division titles, three NFC championships, and a Super Bowl victory in 77. Holy moly. So while working with uh, the Cowboys, he sent several letters to the owner of the Bears and said, hey, when the time is ready, I want to come back and I want to take the Bears to a Super Bowl. Of course, who wouldn't? <laughs> well, us Lions fans. Be- be- better, than, better than bringing the Browns to the Super Bowl. Hey, at this point, with the way the Lions still look, I'm happy to go for the Bears. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Come so to the dark when- side, Paul. We have cookies. <laughs> And Malort. <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, when Ditka arrived at the Bears and accepted the position of head coach, he was initially rejected by the people of Chicago because they thought of him as just a player. He was going to kill the franchise. And it's also worth noting he had a perm. If you have the what? opportunity, yes. I never knew that. That, <laughs> that man had a glorious mame. Like oh, if you, my if God. If you have a chance to go look it up, go find a picture. <laughs> and Mike Ditka's hair, 1983, is beautiful. I am looking it up right now. Well, 1985, oh. I guess, when he became head coach. So. Oh, my gosh. That is absolutely glorious. Uh, <laughs> if, okay, if you've never seen his perm before – Think John C. Riley perm. He has this beautiful golden perm on his head. 
<laughs> oh my god, that's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> so Mike Ditka was famous for his press interviews, his tough guy style, and an attitude that can only be classified as Hurricane Ditka. <laughs> yes, Hurricane Ditka. Um, so who would win in a fight? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Ditka or Hurricane Ditka? <laughs> if the entire Hurricane offense Ditka. got the flu and Mike Ditka had to play all positions, would he beat the Patriots by 20 or 25? <laughs> Duck coach. Duck coach. Oh, so, so, Paul, do you want to explain what we are talking about for those who have no idea and think we're just idiots? So I was going to go to the Super Bowl victory first oh, okay. and then spin that into the other things, but okay. we can hit the SNL stuff real quick. No, no, no. Let's let's do your uh, let's do the Super Bowl stuff and then we'll come back. So the, this is to keep up the suspense. We're going to keep you on the hook on the suspense <laughs> for right now to find out what we're talking about. So the 1985 season was a power season um, for the Bears, which led to a victory in Super Bowl 20 against the Patriots, 46 and 10. Yeah. And along the way, Ditka became very well known for his press interviews. Like I, I watched tons of press interviews when I was prepping for this, and <laughs> just some examples of some quotes is you know he's talking to the reporters after the game, and he goes, "It was a tough game. Anyone could have won it. Lucky we did. I'll take the luck. Frankly, I'm tired of the skill." <laughs> And then there, so you have fun Mike Ditka that was pleasant to talk to. And then you have the coach, you look like you're in a bad mood. Why do you care? <laughs> and in that same interview, he stood up in the locker room and he was wearing a nice shirt, but no pants. <laughs> proceeded to walk off uh, camera. But the, the on screen antics and his over, larger than life personality. Basically, after Super Bowl twenty, there was like this Ditka tornado, and there was the SNL skit. There, he was a part of SNL. But before I say SNL, there was a Iron Mike touchdown shuffle music video on oh. MTV. Oh yeah, we were, we were, we were watching it, that the other day, the three of us. And I gotta say, <laughs> it's, it's hard to watch. It's, it's horrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you get a chance, just Google Iron Mike music video. It, it it's is the most '80s thing you've ever seen. It's like uh, new wave music. Like it's uh, new wave style, so it sounds a lot like. Uh, you know, flock of seagulls or Duran Duran, Devo. Uh, D- yeah, but it, it's like if those bands had no talent. <laughs> <laughs> but literally he was everywhere he was on tv he was on posters um there's a great poster of him flipping off the press <laughs> yeah um, and that was actually like sold as a calendar <laughs> and um, he just sort of exploded and became this larger than life personality he was you know chunky soup commercials endorsing everything and this led to probably one of my favorite snl skits of all time which was the the bears fan club yep. which was chris Farley, George Wendt, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Mike Myers, and I want to say Norm McDonald on occasion. Yeah, yeah. I think you he mentioned was there. Farley, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I hope. Yep. <laughs> but literally, it was just guys decked out in their Chicago Bears gear, and they were sitting around a table at like a local watering hole, and there was tons of fried food everywhere, and everything was the <laughs> Bears, the <Duh> Coach, <laughs> <laughs> and everything was about how great Mike Ditka was. 
And, and yes. like they would come up with like kind of like Paul mentioned, they they would come up with these larger than life scenarios, right. like who would win in a uh, race between like Richard Petty and the Bears team bus, but Mike Ditka <laughs> was driving the, bus. driving the bus. Yeah, <laughs> and and you got you got to have the the really heavy chicago accent when you oh when you're doing, oh like, yeah oh, it, yeah it's gotta oh, yeah. be oh, the yeah. bus oh you gotta take the bus oh, coach is yeah. behind the wheel oh <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's it's all about ditka you gotta oh. go with ditka on two wheels oh yeah on, on two wheels yeah <laughs> and then there was one it was uh who would win between like the bears defense which uh r- really would like that was what won them the super bowl and that was what they were notable for during his time there was their defense was just this absolute beast and so the the joke was who would win between the bears defense and a hurricane but the hurricane's name was hurricane dicka (laughs) 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 you got oh you gotta go with dicka hurricane dicka But another one of my favorites is they're all sitting around and they always have like Polish sausages and uh, pork chops and all sorts of meats around. And there was a running gag where uh, Chris Farley would always have a heart attack and yes. he would just tap himself on the chest and, you know, it'd be fine. <laughs> and um, one of my one of my favorites was all of a sudden he's making the face like he's having a heart attack and he goes, no, choking. And then he bends down and comes up and Mox spits out a whole pork chop. And George Wentz like, you got to chew. Don't forget to chew. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. But going back to the 85 Bears, man, that team was absolutely stacked. I mean, you had people, Jim McMahon, Walter Payton. uh, Oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You need to give him his proper respect. You need to refer to him as sweetness. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, if we're going to give everyone nicknames, we got to talk about, you know, William the Fridge Perry too. Oh heck um, yeah! I mean they had just just an unbelievably stacked team, and it's it's amazing. You know, like Paul mentioned, his kind of humble beginnings coming into Chicago, where no one really believed he was going to do anything other than you know be there for a year or two and mm-hmm. and bust, and then he ends up winning them their only Super Bowl victory uh, yeah. so far. Yep. So, in, in many ways, Bears fans are kind of like Marty McFly trying to get back to 1985. So, uh. <laughs> As a Bears fan, I both resent that statement and respect that statement. <laughs> uh, yeah, as a Bears fan, it's been a, uh, a painful uh, existence. But I mean, he was so he was so popular following oh, yeah. the Super Bowl that he was awarded an honorary doctorate <laughs> from who? <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, probably. <laughs> like probably, America? Probably, yes, yeah, probably Northwestern or University of Chicago or someplace local. I would. I think, think it was University of Chicago. Yeah, that okay, makes that sense. would make sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, he was just amazing. awarded an honorary doctorate from America. <laughs> <laughs> you have an honorary doctorate in American awesomeness. <laughs> so here you have a man who is like the height of American popularity and has the love of the people of Chicago. And behind the scenes, stuff kind of started to fall apart because he had a problem with saying no. So people <laughs> would like literally he was on the Chunky Soup commercial. Well, you, you, was... you mentioned the Chunky Soup commercial before. And the big thing about that in particular was that he was so hard on his players and when they would take endorsement deals like that was something that they were 
not allowed to do on his watch. Right. And it was one of those things that, so I forget the player, I, I forget the player's name. I think it was, you know what? I'm not even, I'm going to be wrong and people are going to write angry letters. So <laughs> basically, like you said, he was down on the players and he was forcing them to drop their endorsement deals. And then that same week on Saturday, boom, his chunky soup commercial aired. And then shortly after that, the hungry man TV dinner, like he just endorsed everything and it, he lost the respect of a lot of his players, but oh, along yeah. the same sure. lines, he was you know, they had the greatest defense in the world. Like, he was still maintaining a good team, but once he started to lose the players' hearts, things started to fall apart. Yeah. And in 1987, there was the NFL strike. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was shortly following the fallout with the endorsement deals and the commercials and all that stuff. The NFL strikes happens, you know, and the fr- franchise owner bring in a whole bunch of scabs, like just, you know, second string players or arena football players to pick up the slack so that the season keeps going while they're on strike. During that time period, he would go on TV and be like, these are my boys. These are the ones that are here to play football and just completely Ooh. slam the Ooh. guys that part of the reason they were on strike is because the union let them to strike it wasn't that they were like you know necessarily rebelling against him it was an nfl wide thing right right yeah that and uh that'll lose you the respect of your team real quick calling them out like that and it just continued to be i mean it wasn't that they were terrible at this point but it just kind of continued to go downhill 1988 he had a heart attack yeah and uh eventually you know 93 he was let go mm-hmm. yeah Yep. Then, Pretty unceremoniously, a, too, if I remember. It was just kind of... Yeah. yeah. And then he coached other places. Like, I remember he was in New Orleans for a while. Yep. Um, he took a five-year hiatus, and he focused on his restaurant and a bunch of other franchises he had started. And then I think it was, I don't know, 97, I think, he uh, took on... Um, the Saints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot of controversial moves there. Um, he basically, you know, put the whole team on the chopping block for Ricky Williams and bet the franchise on him and it didn't pay off. Oh my what? gosh, Ricky Williams. <laughs> because, <laughs> because Ricky Williams was such an upstanding football player. He never got into any trouble or anything. <laughs> <laughs> His legacy will probably be looked at much differently in 10 to 15 years, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. But, uh, yeah, gosh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, and, and like you mentioned, Mike Ditka could not say no to anything. Oh, God, no, no. So along those lines, I have some Ditka products here. <laughs> ooh, I want to see if ooh. you guys can guess if they are fake or real. Oh, all right. Let's go, Brian. I'm going to beat you at this. All right. Ditka Polis Sausage. That's, I'm going to have to go, yes. That's, that's definitely, got- that's definitely that is true. It's made by Vienna Beef, and it is served at his restaurant as well as sold online and in stores. <laughs> Ditka Steaks. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, he, he's got his own restaurant, so I'm, I'm going to say yes, because he's got his own steak place, so I'm sure he uses his own steaks. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to go no. Adam would be correct. Yes. There are Ditka Steaks. Let's go, Ditka. <laughs> Ditka's limousine service. <laughs> no way. There's no way he has his own limo service. I believe that to be true. I know he's really big on like private jets and stuff. I'm sure he's big on limousines, and I'm sure he has his own line of limousines for people willing to pay for him. 
Ditka's limousine service is a thing, and you are correct. The Iron Mike limousine is manufactured by Works, which is the company that makes Lincoln limousines and uh, Mercedes-Benz limousines. Wow. And the, the business that he still runs, is, or the business he ran, is still operational. And if you're in Schaumburg or the outside Chicago area, you can still uh, request rides from Ditka's limousine Does service. Does Ditka actually give you the ride? <laughs> I mean, he hasn't he, been doing yeah, much. Take a hike, he bomb. might need the money. <laughs> He's on ESPN, you know, long enough for them to throw him off for swearing. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike Ditka, kick ass red wine. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's I go, believe, Ditka. I believe the name, but he he doesn't strike me as a. As a wine guy, I feel he's more of a bourbon and scotch kind of guy. So I'm going to say no. It would be true. Really? Mike Ditka, kick-ass red, served in his restaurants. (laughs) All of his wine labels, because he also has a Chardonnay and some other blends, feature the kick-ass label. (laughs) (laughs) Ditka's Italian beef and gravy. Oh, of course. You know Ditka's selling that. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go with that. Sure, I, I believe it. It's true. You can get it mail order or available in local Chicago retailers. <laughs> Hold on, guys. Let's pause real quick. I got to get some Ditka's Italian beef real quick. <laughs> Something tells me you'll need the bathroom at the rest of the night after, you know, the Mike Ditka approved formula. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> or maybe some Quaker oatmeal for the cholesterol problems that follow. Probably both, to be honest. <laughs> All right, last one. Da Coach Lego figurine. You know, I could, I, I could mm. see him doing that. I could see that being a way for him to like I sell like stuff. I've seen that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that that's real. Well, it's a trick question, and you're both right because it does exist, but he does not endorse it or profit from it, which is why it is Da Coach instead of Mike Ditka. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So does it have a sweater vest and everything too? Yes, it has the sweater vest, the chest hair, and the glasses. Ooh, the chest hair, too. That's really involved. That really is. <laughs> and, and the big, burly mustache. So that's, oh, that's awesome. I just found a picture of it. It is, it's glorious. It looks exactly <laughs> like Mike Ditka. But does he have a perm? <laughs> uh, no, it's... it's Post-perm? Uh, yeah, it's sans perm. It's when he went with the more slick back look. Yeah, the, the the eighty-five circa. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So real quick, speaking of eighty-five bears and kind of going back to the fact that there was a Ditka song, if you guys ever get the chance, you have to go on to YouTube and search up the Super Bowl shuffle. After winning the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl champion world champions of football did a rap slash like hip hop song. It's it it is it, it is. exists. <laughs> it is a thing that happened. We don't like to talk about it, you know. It's like Tiananmen Square. It happened. You know? Yep. It's yep. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Everything with you is too soon. <laughs> no kidding. For a little context, we've already gotten that at least two or three times today from Paul. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 
Oh, man. So the only thing I have to say in closing before I turn it over to Brian is that the 1985 Bears is such a huge part of Chicago history and, you know, pop culture that in 2011, the 1985 Bears were actually honored by President Obama at the White House. Really? And he spoke or President Obama spoke about that being one of his like most favorite or he said it was the fun part of being president yeah was yeah. that he got I to see that and he made several jokes that he was glad that mike ditka had decided not to run <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh can you imagine president ditka yeah <laughs> well uh Never mind. I, yep. I, <laughs> that's why go I got there. silent because I was like, ooh, nope. <laughs> Not the place. <laughs> but with that, I will turn it over to Brian and the main event, which is? Hooked on Phonics worked for me. All right. So uh, Hooked on Phonics was an educational tool that debuted in the 80s, but it really hit its stride in the early to mid-90s. Basically, it was developed by this guy. Um, I'm assuming he was in Danbury, Connecticut, because that's where the company is based. Um, but his son had a lot of difficulty reading, and he developed this system of teaching him to read, which I've not been able to find any examples of what Hooked on Phonics actually looks like. And as popular <laughs> as it was, I don't know a single person who actually used it. So I, I really can't tell you how it worked if it was like picture associations or if it was like I, I think it was like again kind of like you I don't know anybody that was on it and I've never seen it or anything but from what I could gather from kind of what I remember about it and like looking up stuff about it after I heard this was going to be a topic is it sounded like it was uh, teaching you how to uh, pronounce the word phonetically so it would kind of break the word down into the syllables and teach you how to say, like if you were saying cat, it would break it up and say cat, 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 like that. So it'd break, it'd break it up so you learned the, the phonetic spelling of it rather than like trying to learn it as a whole word. Yeah, so... It's a it's a mystery to all, um, yes. but apparently millions and millions of people have used it with millions and millions of positive testimonies. But like I mentioned, the, the it was developed first in the '80s. It was first marketed in 1987. It is currently owned by the parent company Sadvix, and it's distributed by Simon and Schuster. Yeah, so the whole idea was to help kids read and. The time that it really started taking off was about 1992, 1993, when they mm -hmm. started airing the commercials all the time, especially on like the Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, oh, yeah. you know, any show or network that was going to have a lot of kids programming. PBS. They just loaded it up. PBS was another big one. Especially like I always remember it was on right before Eureka's Castle. For whatever reason, yes. that's like ingrained in my oh, brain. Yeah. Yes. It was like there was that and then Eureka's Castle and then they had that weird Muzzy. Um, Muzzy. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the puppet that taught you how to speak foreign languages. Yeah. Is that its name? Yeah, Muzzy, the big the big green guy, yeah. He knew Is that still a thing? I, I think the BBC owns it now. I think it... I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the same things over and over again or if they still make new content. I'm not sure. 
I think I heard before that it went off the air, but I think they've uh, come out with it again. I think they came out with like a new version of it. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may all remember the commercial mostly because of the catchphrase, which we've been using multiple times now, the hooked on phonics worked for me. There's also the toll-free number 1-800-ABCDEFG. Yep. All things that ended up drawing over $100 million of earnings per year for the company. Per year, yeah. Absolutely insane. I mean, do you guys remember how big this was? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it was everywhere. I mean, people would still talk about it. And the, the big joke was that, you know, it was hooked on phonics, but phonics starts with a PH, which is kind of <laughs> kind of a little confusing. <laughs> Good word to use for people that are learning how to read. Yeah, yeah. There was always those sections in the commercial where they would ask kids and parents alike how the program worked, and everybody had just glowing reviews. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because, as we said, even though that was the slogan and we've all seen the commercial to death, none of us know anyone that ever actually <laughs> used the program. Yeah, which right. Which makes me wonder how well their sales actually did. <laughs> well, I don't have any information about them cooking their books, which is, is possible. <laughs> but in 1994, Dateline had a special involving both Hooked on Phonics and the FTC, um, oh. <laughs> where they were charged with deceptive advertising. And the outcome was that Hooked on Phonics, uh, which was at the time owned by Gateway Education Products, had to share all of their research data and all of their consumer complaints. Oh, jeez. And there I'm was, sure there was a few of those. There was a handful. Um <laughs> So, Gateway Education Products owned the rights to Hooked on Phonics from 1987, so basically its inception, until 2004. In 1994, shortly after the Dateline special, they did file for bankruptcy. But, you know, according to our president, that's just a normal part of the business cycle. So, (laughs) hey now. In 2001, you know, they had gained a little bit of uh, momentum back, uh, and they started a Hooked on School success program. They partnered with KinderCare. Do you guys remember KinderCare? Yeah. It was like the, like the daycare. I remember the name. Yeah. It was it's like, a daycare, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a daycare, but it looks like it's in an old-fashioned one-room schoolhouse. There used to, yeah. Yeah, there used to be one two miles from where the the three of us, when we were growing up, lived relatively close to each other, especially me and Brian. Um, yeah. And I'd say there was one probably about two miles down the road from us. It's uh, on the same block where that new Buffalo Wild Wings is. I correct. say new, but it's been there like 10 years, but it's, yeah. it's new to me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's... Um, it, it's uh, back then, I think it was a Damon's, which is another defunct franchise. Oh, man, that place yeah. is the best. Great. Great there is still a Damon's in oh, Wisconsin by uh, in the Dells. Guys, really? are we going to take a trip this summer? Because I, I can really use some Damon wings. That would be that would be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I really I'm can in, use some Damon wings. We have to go to Great Wolf Lodge after. Oh heck yeah! Man, I haven't been there since I was a kid. I've um, never been there. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we got we got our summer plans figured out. Yeah, but we're gonna, right. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna press on with Hooked on Phonics. Um. <laughs> so so like I said, Gateway Education Products held the product from 1987 to 2004. In 2001, they started this partnered with Kinder Care 
Hooked on School Success program. Did you guys actually ever go to Kindercare? No. Nope. For whatever reason, and I love them now, but at the time I hated grilled cheese because <laughs> my mom used to take us there like two or three days a week when she would run errands because my dad was working full time and someone needed to like go out and do that stuff and didn't want to bring two whiny little brats with them. So my mom <laughs> would drop me and my Brian, brother off. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm still whiny. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just remember they would just always burn the crap out of grilled cheese. It wasn't grilled cheese. It was burnt oh. toast. And like <laughs> all your toast is black. Yeah, and and like craft singles. Like it was just just nasty. Now now if I've I've gotten older, I, I tend to appreciate that stuff more. But um in two thousand four <laughs> though, so that was the last year the Gateway Education products owned Hooked on Phonics, and there's a pretty good reason. Uh, They retroactively changed their privacy plans and didn't inform their customers. So they were sharing info about customers, including the children using the products, uh, to other outside firms. Whoa, that is super illegal. That's a major FERPA violation right there. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it is. (laughs) So so Uh, if anybody works in like public education or uh, any sort of thing where you have private information about people, you will know what FERPA is. But basically, it's the laws that protect your information from exactly that. Like you can't talk about patients or or students or anything like that. Um, yeah. It's the uh, it's the school version of HIPAA, basically. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in 2005, as you can imagine, uh, Hooked on Phonics was acquired by someone else, <laughs> uh, which was <laughs> which was Educate Inc., uh, who also ran uh, Sylvan. Uh, so pretty common in the education world. Uh, uh-huh. And then in 2007, uh, Smartville Inc. then took over, which was a small private. Uh, investing company and weirdly enough uh, the CEO of my current company was part of their leadership team as well Um, luckily it's cool that he was part of Hooked on Phonics and it's even cooler that he was part of Hooked on Phonics during a period where there's literally no history to write about them Um, all the other history seems to be I was going to say is this going to end in insider training yeah exactly yeah because everything else is like not great in terms of scandals and conspiracy but yeah that 2007 to 2011 period was pretty sleepy and then in 2011 they were acquired by uh, as I mentioned at the top of the segment Sadvix so that's basically all I have on Hooked on Phonics we still have no idea how the program works. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody um, has any insight, send us a message. We'd, we really would love to hear how, how this works. I'm yeah. still lear- trying to learn how to read. Well, I've seen both you and Paul's notes, so I don't think it's just unique to you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I live and die by spell check. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's still just a mystery to me. I guess that's part of their, you know, proprietary, you know, intellectual property or whatever. But it's just so crazy to me that that secret's been held so well for so long. Because I don't feel like any of the other ones are. Like, everyone knows how Ty Bo works. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone knows, was it P90X? Everyone yeah. knows all of that stuff. But for some reason... 
there's like a Freemason society of people that were <laughs> <laughs> that were hooked on phonics users. It's it's the so order bizarre. of the phonics. <laughs> it's the Illuminati again, isn't it? I need to share that with my wife. The <laughs> order That's of the exactly phonics. That's exactly what I was thinking of when I As said that. As a Harry Potter fan, she will love that. Um, and speaking of which, this was actually a topic that uh, she suggested. So Neva S from. Uh, Bethesda, Maryland, thank you so much for suggesting Hooked on Phonics. This was a very fun main event, even though it's still shrouded in mystery and some type of, you know, Illuminati-type situation. Uh. I'm going to begin my year-long investigation into Hooked on Phonics. I'm going to join the Order of the Phonics and figure out what's going on. (laughs) Do you guys remember what they taught us in school for this? I mean, outside of the letter people, I don't remember a whole lot of, like, designed programs. No, the the letter people were awesome, but, man, they were creepy looking back on them. But (laughs) I was like... (laughs) <laughs> so obsessed with them it, when I was in kindergarten. Like, I loved the letter people. But, yeah, they're a little creepy. Yeah, they're as far as I know, they're defunct now. But go back to YouTube and look for the letter people and how they didn't give us nightmares. I have no idea. They're literally like like uh, stitched Raggedy Ann type dolls, puppets. And they have really awkward British accents, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's creepy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's and why is Zero part of the letter people? Zero the hero? <laughs> well, he's a hero. There were no duh. other numbers that I recall. Well, he's a hero. <sighs> well, I think that's about all I had. So, yeah. So we've come to that special time where we visit the Hopper of Imagination and find out what we will discuss next week. And we would like to remind all of our listeners that if there is a topic you would like us to discuss, you can submit those at our website at www.datingourselvespodcast.com. We've got mail. Yes, we do. (laughs) You Uh, kept beating me to it, so I was going to let you have it this time. Oh, well, that's too sweet of you. Well, as as we've mentioned, this is the Hopper of Imagination section. We're going to Give this thing a crank and figure out what our topics are going to be for next week. So, uh, anyone want to give me some traveling music? (laughs) That's all I got. Gotcha. All right, so this... Adam, you're up. (laughs) The first topic... (laughs) You're done. You're done. You've been cut off. (laughs) The first topic is... Oh, my gosh. Harry Potter book series. One... Two, three. Dibs, dibs. I think that Adam took that one. Yes. All right. Damn it. Next is going to be Yakbacks. Toys. One, two, three. Dibs. Dibs. Take that. Cool. Damn, I yeah. think Brian got it. <laughs> All right. The next one is going to be Super Smash Brothers video game. One, two, three. Dibs. All right. Don't have a lot of competition this time. (laughs) I I was going to (laughs) say. And the fourth and final topic will be sent back to the hopper for uh, further evaluation. Um, (laughs) But that's our show, folks. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Dating Ourselves. Oh, God. If you like what you heard, there's more to come. Check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. You can also send us submissions at datingourselves 
podcast.aol.com. We've got mail. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. You can also check out additional content from us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Dating Ourselves Podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at Dating Ourselves Podcast. And we do the Twitter thing, too, at Dated Podcast. And I just want to clear up that it was a hoax. We don't actually have a MySpace yet. Oh, Damn it. That's sad. Well, anyway. Well, there you have it. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. See you guys. Take it easy, guys. See ya.